0: by emailing us at info at Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com. All
1: right, good morning, everybody. It's so good to, thank you, ever say good morning back, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> so good to be here with you all. Thank you so much for, uh, yeah, for being here and coming to choose your Sunday morning to be here at Bushland's i to—I got to confess, there's no way to start this sermon without just being so thankful to God for that baptism over there. That's, uh, oh no. <laughs> oh no, why did I, I didn't cry in the non-livestream one. Bad times. That's my sister-in-law, and that was very special to uh, see her get baptised there. And Now, if, if, if no one said anything else today, you saw the kingdom of God right over there. So uh, I, I could probably just stop talking now. <laughs> Anyway, keep it together. Yeah, um, it's great to be here with you. And um, for I'm sure a lot of you are aware, it's me and my wife Paige who's leading worship this morning. We've we've been able to be here and be part of the uh, the church at Bushnell this community here for the last ten months. We rocked up ten months ago. She, you know, she's from Amarillo. She knows this part of the world. I came here a fresh-faced, non-country music listening person, and I will be leaving very, very different in that regard. I, uh, I'm a fan, I'm converted, it worked, well done, you won me over, and uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> wow, so many rounds of applause today, this is great, we're off to a great start, it's, uh, but yeah, it's been great to be here, it's been a huge honour to be part of this family, and um, yeah, thank you so much for making us feel so welcome, and for letting us be part of this, for, for, for parents, for trusting us to work with your young people this year, for young people for tolerating us, so thank you so much. And everything. Also, big thank you to Pastor Jeff and Melissa for just helping all of this come to be and for, for giving up one of the precious Sunday morning slots that everyone seems to be stealing from you at the moment as well to let me come and share this morning. So thank you so much for that. It really means a lot and uh, it's great to be here. I've been excited for an opportunity to share here and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big weekend for our family, as a lot of you will know, um, with lots of different things. I mean, I, we've had the highlight already, Mia getting baptised, but it's been a big weekend for us and I've been looking forward to get into sharing. As I was praying about what scripture um, I'd love to share from or what kind of heart message that I'd love to, to bring to the church today on this special Sunday for us, I wanted to, I wanted to dip my hand into the archives of my life and, and find a message that I've chewed on for years and something that I've been able to see play out, something, something that I've nailed, something that I can come to at a place of victory from and all this good stuff. And the more I prayed, the more I felt God highlight a story to me in the Bible. It's a parable. It's from Matthew 20. And yeah, the more I prayed, I was just like, oh, this is, I think this is the story to preach from this week. And uh, I I said to the Lord, I was like, can I not just, can I not just do something I know? Like, can I not just like, can I not just be comfortable or something in this? And I I just really felt like this was the scripture that uh, was right to bring today. And it's a challenge because it's, it's hard words, they're letters in red, it's the words of Jesus, but it's a story that I feel just is so able to pierce the human heart in so many ways, and yeah, I want to share it from a place of working on myself as well in all of this stuff, and just want to open up the word as a family together here. So it's found in Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. It's a bit of a read, but I believe we can do this. You've all graduated Sunday school, right? Cool. Just checking. If you haven't, see Pastor Jeff. I'm joking. <laughs> Anyway, okay, you can read along there. I'm going to read from the screen so I can uh, see what you're seeing. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Now, a denarius, you'll see in the footnotes of your Bible, it probably says that a denarius is about a day's wages for a labourer. So I don't know how to extrapolate that into uh, panhandle terms, but what, $100, $120 or something? I don't know. About nine, I mean, you're laughing at me. You're like, that's all you make? Or they're like, whoa, you've got a good job. Anyway, about nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So uh, So they went, he went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and he did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? They replied, Because no one has hired us. He then said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. So when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they now expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do with what I want with my own money? or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. All right, long scripture. Man, that story never makes me feel very good when I read that, and I'm going to tell you exactly why, and I'm hoping I've got some friends in the audience here, you know, in the congregation who are feeling the same way as me on this. When I read that story, I kind of relate to the guys who worked all day, and I'm like, that's kind of not fair, right? I mean, they worked. Yeah, he said, that's what you get. But surely those other guys, they, you know, they sat around doing nothing. And now they receive as much as me. Tomorrow, shall I just stay in bed till you know, three? Then go out to the marketplace and you know, come and get my day's wages for that? I read the story and I'm offended because I've been, I'm someone who believes in hard work. I'm someone who believes that getting up in the morning, earning your pay, doing what you're supposed to do. And I believe hard work deserves a good reward. And I see that Jesus over here is trying to tell me something a little bit different. He's trying to tell me that if he wants to be generous with people and go above and beyond what the human expectation should be in this scenario, apparently he's got a right to do this. I'm outraged. (laughs) Honestly, I am. Because, well, I'm outraged for multiple reasons. I'm annoyed at myself because I don't want to relate to the workers that I currently relate to. But I'm annoyed because it, it just feels like it cuts against, I don't know, everything I've been brought up to know. I'm like, no, that's, that's not how it goes. And when I read this story, particularly in the last, you know, I, I started reading this story, I guess, maybe five weeks ago, just chewing it a lot and just reading it as often as I could. The more I read it, the more I realized I have a set of values that I think lines up with what God's values are. But sometimes they kind of swerve off to the side a little bit. And I think because I was raised in the church, and because, you know, I'm a believer, give my life to the kingdom of God and all this stuff, I sometimes just assume I'm in step with God. You know, I've got it nailed and I'm, my thoughts are his thoughts, all this kind of stuff. And then I read the words of Jesus and I'm brought to this humble place where I'm like, Josh, you need to read your Bible more. Because a lot of the stuff that Jesus actually says isn't the stuff that you're daydreaming about thinking Jesus is saying about your life or about your future or about this or about that. I'm there coming up with my own narrative when Jesus laid out the kingdom of God for us in the most clear way to the point where we saw the kingdom of God with skin on. The New Testament tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, that he is the perfect portrayal of what God looks like. The kingdom of God has no better example than the person and the life of Jesus. And I really believe, and this is where I'm being humbled in, where I feel like it's a hard message to bring today, is that I believe there's a call for us to stand more in step with Jesus than we currently are. Now, what I don't want anyone to think in this is that this is any kind of condemnation as to we're not doing good enough, because this isn't. If this is any message, it's not about not doing good enough. I mean, the people who worked one hour, they got a day's wages. I mean, come on, that's that's what I'm going with here. Anyway, we've got kingdoms. And God has a kingdom, and when we were called into his kingdom, we were called to not just be laborers in it, but we were called to be sons and daughters. In John 15, it tells us that no longer do I just call you servants, because a servant doesn't know what his master's doing, but I call you friends. He's upgraded us, given us our job, and guaranteed it with the seal of approval, which we know stands the test of time. I mean, it's called nepotism. When you favour someone who's in your family, we are in the family of God. We're never losing this job, no matter how badly we do. We are a son and a daughter, and we cannot get kicked out of this. we just got to... But we can have a miserable time. We could definitely have a miserable time if we're not lined up with God's heart in this. And the words that struck me more than any in this uh, passage is the words we see at the very end. Jesus finishes with this big statement that I'm surprised... Well, I was going to say, I'm surprised I've not seen it on a bumper sticker, but it wouldn't work for traffic. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. That's one of the things I love about America, all the bumper stickers. No one back home does bumper stickers. I love bumper stickers here. I'm always taking pictures and sending them to my family, like, look at this one. Anyway, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. What is Jesus talking about in here? I'll give you, I'll give you a, a little uh, insight that I didn't share in the first service, but not naming any names, but I went on a, uh, I went for a run yesterday, like a charity run with a, a nameless deacon and a nameless elder in this church. <laughs> Let's just say, in the kingdom of God, we came in first place. <laughs> if you're in this room, you may identify yourself if you can take it. No shame if you can't. But I I, I, I can see one of them now. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, so we can see the kingdom of God. He's got these parameters. He's got these ways in which God works. And I really believe that there's, uh, like specifically for our church here and in just this season in life, that there's an invitation for us to stand in line more and more and more with what the kingdom of God says about our world. I'm sure I'm not the only person who struggles to open my phone and look at the news and watch the TV and see what's going on around the earth today. To see the pride of man taking its place, trying to put its thumbprint on the, the communities of the world and try and say, Life is this way. Life is that way. We should be living this way. You're cancelled if you live that way. I struggle to watch people try and come up with this way of living. And I look at it and I think, that's not right. But in my own heart is what I'm living right. Because if I'm not lined up with the heart of Jesus and the kingdom of God, then what am I lined up in this? These words, the first shall be last and the last shall be first, are hope to some, but an offence to many. It's great news if you're last place and you've got a dodgy leg and you can't run your 10K. But it's bad news if you've just hit your PB and you're doing really good and life's going great for you. The kingdom of God cuts through the flesh in a way that no Hollywood movie producer could ever do something. Unless it's The Chosen because they're taking the scriptures. Shout out to The Chosen. Love that show. But what I want to do is I want to be part of this kingdom that God's talking about. And the kingdom that we're talking about here, it has a nickname. It has many names. I think the last time I shared on Senior Sunday, I I mentioned a name that I love about the early church, and it's this, the way. The first believers, before they were ever called the church, they were called the way. And I'm like, that is a great description. These people are living their lives a certain way to the point where people are like, normal person, normal person, the way. Normal person, I wanna be the way. Well, this nickname that was coined a long time ago is the upside down kingdom the upside-down kingdom. Based off this scripture, people started to nickname Jesus' teachings and the early church's practices, the upside-down kingdom. Why would they name it this? Well, clearly it's because Jesus does things differently. If the world says, this is a day's wages, and Jesus says, no, this is a day's wages, that's kind of upside-down compared to my logic. Jesus challenged everyone who he met, no matter where they were in their life, in their journey, in faith, or where they stood before God. Jesus is a challenge And what I want us as a church family and as believers to always be is to never be afraid of a challenge. We know that a challenge is a good thing. It's not always easy. It's not what always you're praying for and asking for, but a challenge elevates us from one place to another. And the words of Jesus have challenged me in this moment as I look at my values and see that they don't always line up. Another quick story I didn't share in the first one um, is uh, I wanna share with you a a precious moment in mine and Paige's relationship where we had our first ever argument. We had been dating for a little while and we're, you know, getting to know each other and we're being so polite to each other in all the times. And if I do something that kind of, you know, winds her up, she's, you know, she just leaves it because it's me. And if she does something that, you know, that's annoying, I'm like, oh, she's so cute. Like, she could do no wrong. And then we're starting to spend more and more time together, more and more time. And all of a sudden, paradise is like fading away a little bit as we realise <laughs> the, the humanity that both of us live in and uh, have grown, you know, the the people who we are. And it all culminated in one special moment, which I'm going to liken to the Garden of Eden, (laughs) where me and Paige were standing in my kitchen at my parents' house in London, and I was feeling hungry. How many people know that? Sin always... Someone being hungry is usually the start of something bad happening going on here. (laughs) I was feeling hungry, and uh, one of my pastimes, part of my heritage in life is toast, especially beans on toast. you want to make me happy, invite me out for beans on toast. Uh, And I wanted to put some toast on, and uh, I went to go get a piece of bread. And you know, the bread, I wasn't a big fan of it, but it was there, so I got it. And then just like the Garden of Eden, a third character enters the story. (laughs) Sorry to my brother, who's about to get compared to the serpent here. But (laughs) my brother comes into the kitchen, and he says, Oh, Josh, I see you're making some toast. Toast is good have you seen the bread in the freezer? And I'm like, wait, hold the phone. There is better bread than this bread that I'm currently 25 seconds into toasting? And he's like, yes. So of course, I do the only thing that seems to make sense in that moment. Smack the cancel button on the toaster. That thing is heading to the trash, and I'm going to go get the good bread. Paige, my bride, my perfect one, my dove, the one who I love and can do no wrong, sees me doing this, And suddenly decides, this is the moment for our first ever argument. (laughs) In front of my brother, who's, I mean, he was always going to take my side in this. Anyway, she's like, what are you doing? Okay, there you are. (laughs) She's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, did you not hear? There is superior bread in the freezer. Surely you want the best for me. I'm going to be toasting my way to perfection here. I'm, I'm in for the good stuff. So... I do this, and she's like, no, you're already toasting. And I'm like, what is happening? This is new. This is very new for us. Uncharted waters, help. And I'm fighting because my flesh wants the toast, but my spirit is saying, there's something going on here, bigger than the toast. So don't worry, you're going to find out. She's not the actual bad guy in this story. I don't want to mess around too much here. Uh, Anyway, she wants to stop me, and I cannot figure out why she's trying to stop me. Long, long story short, we have a, a nice little argument in front of my brother. I don't even remember which piece of toast I ended up eating. I probably lost my appetite at this point as my world came crashing down <laughs> over a piece of toast. And we came to the conclusion that my values when it comes to food are quite different to Paige's values when it comes to food. Because to me, the way I was raised, you're just going for the best. It doesn't matter if you waste the food if this is a better option and it doesn't cost too much, go for it. You take what's best. You, you know, you are made in the image of God. Fuel up. <laughs> do what you've got to do. The, life is hard. Eat good bread. So I'm, I see no reason to not do this. I mean, the bread costs, like that slice of bread, what, 10 cents or something? No issue. Whereas for Paige and her family, they had a much better, food, uh, better attitude when it came to food and waste. They're a family that enjoys leftovers. If any of you have been to dinner at their house, Tommy sees it as a challenge. He wants to take all the meals and make a meal that's never been made before from a, a week's <laughs> worth of leftovers. And he, he'll own this. He loves it. Whereas my family, don't hate on me, but if we're halfway through something we don't like it, it's going in the trash. And we're, we're moving on. The, the, the pizza booklet's coming out and we're ordering in. So I had, a, I had one set of values based on my kingdom, the whisker kingdom, it's my last name, Paige had a set of values based on the kingdom she was raised in, the Spencer kingdom. Can you see how two parties who love each other got out of step and got themselves into a little mess over not understanding where the other person's coming from? I mean, all the married people are looking at me like, oh, this is the beginning of your troubles. You are not teaching us anything right now. We've been there for many, many years. Humor me, humor me. When I read this story of the parable of the vineyard, I realize that I'm trying to toast the wrong toast sometimes. I'm trying to fight battles that my God does not care about. I'm trying to fight for justice in my eyes on this one of, they should have been paid more. When God is saying, this is the fair thing. And if I want to be generous to those who don't deserve it, this is who I am. Who am I to argue with the great I am? His ways are supreme. His method, we haven't consulted about the toast situation and what was right or wrong. But in general, the kingdom of God has a way of doing things. And I can guarantee you, none of us are going to heaven and showing God a thing or two about how he should run his palace. He is the king. The kingdom has a king. And I believe that this is a house right here that loves the king. I know this house loves the king. I see it all the time. There are Jesus people in this church who want nothing but the kingdom of God to come. What scares me about being a Christian is that sometimes I think that maybe the biggest thing standing in the way of the kingdom coming in my life is me, my upbringing, my values, what I find important, my hurts, my pains, my dreams. If I don't line these things up with what my God is like, I'm gonna get myself into hotter water than a toast situation. And I don't wanna live a life in frustration with the hand that is feeding me. I don't want to live a life in frustration and confusion with the voice that is directing me through the steps of my life. I want to be in step with him. I want to get things right with him. And his ways are so different to what we are. And that's a hard thing to hear, but hopefully it can be an encouraging thing to hear. Because I want to tell you, if life is not working out right now, there is hope. If things aren't going the way we want them to, there's hope. God might just be doing something a little different to how we tend to do it. And when you look at the nature of God, he tends to favor the broken, the poor, the rejected, the downtrodden, and those who were born without rather than those who were born with. And that can be challenging for us because we're all in this room born with a different set of cards when we entered this world. Some were born to two parents. Some will have never known their birth parents. Some were born in poverty. Others were born into inheritance. We all come from different places. And what I believe about the kingdom of God is that it is united and open to all. But it is also upside down to what our world tells us is right. We see in the book of Galatians, in the book of Romans, and so many places through scriptures, the life of Jesus, that there is a war going on within the life of a believer between the flesh and the spirit. We live in the flesh right now. There is no shame in us living in a body right now. God put us on this earth for an 80 to 90 year long internship where we get to love God from a place of weakness. But at the cross, and when we came to him, he gave us his spirit. That functions out of a different place. It's not fueled by toast. It's fueled by love. It's fueled by truth. It's fueled by the eternal goodness of who God is. And it's our job on a day-to-day basis to choose whether we're gonna live out of the spirit or whether we're gonna live out of the flesh. And that to me is the challenge of being a Christian to know the truth and to know that God has put it in us, but to know that it's a journey to dig it out, to get rid of some of the stuff that's in the way and to let it come there. And when we see these words of, of God, like the first shall be last, the last shall be first, we know we've got a challenge ahead of ourselves because our flesh does not like coming in last place. Our flesh likes pay rises, not demotions. Our flesh likes the things that puff us up, not the things that humble us but our flesh can get us into a lot of trouble. The upside down kingdom of God is here and it's here to stay. And the best thing we can do about being agents for the Lord in this hour is to start living upside down lives. um, I've been on a, I'm I'm doing something at the moment. It's a big thing in my life. It's called the Josh Whisker 2022 tour of restaurants in Amarillo. And uh, I'm making my way through all the establishments in town um, in the name of youth work. I'm meeting up with a lot of our students and seeing a lot of people who, uh, you know, who we've got to spend time with this year before we move. And I've been, yeah, just wanting to catch up with people and hang out. And yesterday I got, uh, I was out for breakfast and I got chatting to someone, a young person. And he told me this most amazing story where he said he went for lunch one day and he was in lunch, he was in line and he, he saw someone in front of him. And he felt the Lord whisper into his heart, buy lunch for this person, pay for their meal. And he's fighting it off. He's saying, Lord, like, um, okay, um, wait, is that you? No, surely not. Like, that, that, that's awkward. That's a bit embarrassing. I've, you know, I've earned my money. I've only, uh, uh, he definitely didn't say it this long out. I'm definitely expanding it a little bit. <laughs> but he, he was fighting it off. His flesh was fighting it off. And he was saying, I don't, I don't want to do this. Like, this it's not me. Like, what's going on? But he heard the Lord again. And he was like, okay, I'm not going to fight it. I'm going to do it. So he goes and he pays for the meal of the person in the line. And then he watches and sees them to go sit down and eat their food. And at this point, he's sitting there watching them. And he's, ex- he's waiting for the next chapter in the story. We know what chapter's coming here. The reward for the faithful servant. He's waiting for the story. I was down to my last dime. And I said, God, if you're real, make someone pay for my lunch for me. And I'll know you've got me for the rest of my days. And I'll give my life to you. It's going to be a Saul to Paul conversion. And every- the world's going to change. And then it's like, that man was Billy Graham. Well, you know, one of those stories. <laughs> We're waiting for this moment. And the moment, it's not coming yet. So it's like, okay, what do I do? Am I, am I fighting the Prince of Persia here? There's battle in the heavenly places. Let's make it happen. And nothing happens. The guy doesn't come over. He then says to me, he's like, I then contemplated going over to him to check. Or maybe like eke out, like a thank you or whatever. Like, I, don't, I don't know, I mean, I won't expose him. But anyway, <laughs> so he does this and nothing happens. And eventually he just gets to the place where he's like, God, you spoke to me and I obeyed you. And I guess I've done my job. Yeah. Do we know what this pers- who this person was and how their life was changed and what's going to happen in the future? Not yet. Maybe not ever. Is it the reason to do the right thing? We do because we obey and what I want to tell you is that that young person, and this made my heart so happy. This is just yesterday morning he's telling me this. You know, I'm, I'm trying to chew on this concept of the upside down kingdom. And I'm like, oh, thanks God. That was pretty darned upside down right there. He earned his money. He did everything he was supposed to do. God asked him to do an upside down move. Not do what normal people do, which is go eat your lunch and enjoy the peace, but to uh, shake it up. Do something for someone who is potentially in a hard place or a broken place. He played the upside down kingdom there and he won. And I'm so proud of him for doing that. And I'm so grateful for his life in that he would be in a place where he's listening to the voice of God. It challenged me. Am I listening for these things? Am I willing to be upside down even when I just need me time? Even when I just want to do things my way? And all of this stuff has got me thinking, how can I convince myself to live an upside-down kingdom life? How can I convince myself to, to, to choose the broken, to, to see the first as last and the last as first? I mean, look at the story of the prodigal son. That's pretty upside-down. Again, who, who's this guy relating to in that story? I'm looking at the older brother going, oh, that poor guy, you know, he works so hard and his brother's cleared off and now he's back. And that's kind of not fair, really. My attitude is sometimes so not upside-down. Whereas Jesus tells that story because of the joy of someone who is far away coming back into the kingdom. Well, I've decided that I've come to to two places where I want to change my life to be more upside down. And I want to invite everybody into the journey with me in this. And that is these two things of pouring myself out and breathing God in. It's something I've just been thinking about and it's something that I see so many of my favourite Bible characters through the Scriptures doing. Uh, a, A Bible hero for me is always been Mary of Bethany. Every time she makes an appearance in the Bible, she just nails it. She always does the right thing. And the right thing is usually the opposite of what everyone else is wanting her to do. You know, Jesus comes over for dinner. Her sister's getting everything ready. Mary's sat there doing nothing, listening to the Lord. Jesus says, she has chosen the one thing that is important in life. Jesus encourages her and, and you know, bigs her up in this moment and says, you know, Martha, you can complain about this, but Mary actually made the right choice. Everyone saw it the other way around. Mary, somehow she saw it upside down. The story that really makes my heart come alive for Mary is the story of Jesus once again dining at her house. And she feels compelled by the voice of God. Maybe in the same way that our young person here felt compelled to pay for this man's meal. She feels compelled to go and grab a jar of costly perfume that belongs to her. And the footnotes of that scripture will tell you that costs more than a denarius. It's more than a day's wages. It costs about a a year's wages. Not the kind of thing you have to spare. And she pours it at the feet of Jesus. And the fragrance of the perfume fills the room. And what's the reaction of everybody in there? Why was this done? Why would you do this? Why would you not sell this and give the money to the poor? We logic it out and we reason with our flesh. Because somebody else's worship is too challenging for us to be able to celebrate. And that's a heart issue. That's a heart issue for me. If I see someone doing something amazing for God, am I going to condemn them and judge them in my mind because I'm not there yet? Probably. But I don't want to be there. I want to respect and I want to admire other people's gifts of worship. And Jesus once again says, what she has done will be remembered for every generation to come. And the proof of that is that we're in this room today talking about Mary of Bethany. 2,000 years on, the words of Jesus continue to reign true where we're still talking about her and her act of worship. She's a hero to me because she poured it all out for Jesus. There's no guarantee she was ever gonna see that possession come back into her life, but she understood that it's better to have nothing next to Jesus than to have everything far away from him. That is how I wanna live my life. Let's think about other Bible characters who we love. David, a man who was given the armor of Israel, given a sword of the king, to go fight Goliath. What did God do? He asked him to pour himself out, lose the armor, lose the sword, go in alone, go in with the sling. You're not gonna have the army behind you. David takes down that giant and victory is won for Israel. We see it again in the life of Moses. We think he's, you know, he's born in Pharaoh's palace. He's got it all set up for him. Like surely God, you're gonna use him to gain political power and liberate the people of Israel in this. God says, no, I don't need those rings on your finger. I don't need those fancy clothes. He sends Moses on a journey to the desert, to the wilderness where he's stripped of everything he's ever known. And only when he's poured himself out is Moses now a qualified man with a speech impediment to come and liberate the children of Israel. We see it with Gideon. We see it with Joseph. We see it with, I mean, spoiler alert, find anyone in the Bible and you'll see God loves to, he encourages us to pour ourselves out so he can be at work within us. And this is what I want. one of the things I want to encourage us all on today is that whatever you've got, no matter how impressive or how shameful, let's bring it to Jesus. Let's pour it out at the cross because he's going to take it and he's going to convert it into something that we could never, ever work with. The Bible shows us that we can come as we are to the Lord. We come as we are with all of our baggage, but when we come to him, we cannot keep it. We cannot hold on to whatever trophies we're holding above our head or whatever shame or whatever brokenness we're holding above our head. It all has to go to the cross. When we pour ourselves out, we take step one into being qualified to do amazing kingdom, upside down work that sees the broken healed, the blind see and the lost be found. And I believe that's what we're gonna do as a church. I believe it's happening obviously so much already amongst all of us, but just encourage us again. Let's not be afraid to pour ourselves out. Yes, it's scary. I'm sure Mary, I bet her heart was beaten thinking, God, am I hearing you? You know, I'm thinking of the young person in the restaurant. God, am I hearing you? Mary, God, am I hearing you? Like, that's a big deal. She did it. She listened to her spirit and not the flesh. The second thing I believe we have to do is we have to breathe God in. It's no good for us to pour ourselves out and then refuse the gifts that God wants to give us in this moment. Jesus talks about this many times, even stories of people being cleansed of all kinds of issues that go on. And if they don't replace what God wants to do, like, the enemy will come and have his way. Once we've given ourselves to God, we've got to breathe him back in. We've got to change our lifestyle and set ourselves up where he is our food, where he is our sustenance, where he is our toast. That's a t-shirt right there. Make the Lord your toast today. Hope Paige is listening. Make the Lord your toast, the good toast, not the bad toast. We've got to breathe him in. And I I, I take comfort in this thought. And the reason I come to this place is because I'm the kind of person who thinks if you want to learn something important, look at the first page of the book and look at the last page of the book. Anyone like that when it comes to studying or in exams? I wasn't a very good academic. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to skim through this. I love looking at the beginning. I love looking at the end and figuring out what's going on. Page one of the Bible, a story that has shaped my life and marked me more than most things that I've come across is the story of God making mankind in his very own image We got to share this with the students on Senior Sunday. All of us in this room here, we're made in the image of God. In the flesh, we're made in the image of our parents and we can see the aspects of our own body that looks like our parents. But we can take this as a sign that even more so we're made in his image. You've got greatness in you. You're made in the image of greatness. Why shouldn't we believe in this community? Why shouldn't we believe in each other to know that we're gonna do great things? We're not squirrels. We're not trees. We're not these other creations that were made and not given the breath. Genesis 1. In fact, can I pull that one up, please, uh, words team? Genesis 1. I'll just grab it on the screen. It shows us that at the very beginning, after God made mankind from the dust, he breathed his very own breath into the creature and became a man. Look at this. Well, well Genesis 2. Oh my gosh, you've caught me out here. Genesis 2, heretic. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Look at this. He didn't do this for anyone else. This was our gift. This is what he exclusively gave to us. The world has many narratives about where we came from, about where our planet was, about what the story and what the point of this whole thing is. But I truly believe, as crazy as it sounds, that this makes more sense to me than some of the things that people try and say. I feel like there's a destiny ahead. I feel like we're here for a reason. And when I know that I've got God's breath in me, it makes sense because I'm like there's something different about us. You were made in the image of God. We breathed him in. Spoiler alert again. You get to the next chapter and we mess it up. It's like the toast situation. The garden, Adam and Eve, we chose sin. We chose the flesh. It's like we almost lost the breath. God breathed it in. It never went anywhere, but we, we chose to breathe it back out. We chose to breathe another kind of breath. And the world's been on that path ever since. Well, what I love about the scriptures is that God rarely leaves something as a one-off occurrence. He threads these 66 books together. He threads thousands of years of a storyline written by 40 different authors into this amazing library of stories. And if we go to John chapter 20, we see God picking up the pieces of where Genesis 2 left off. God breathed his breath into us and we spat it out. But if I could get that scripture, as well, please words, team. John chapter 20, we'll see that Jesus... Comes and redeems it and takes it full circle after the cross. Look at this: the disciples are gathered, and it says this. They're all gathered. Jesus has been resurrected by this point, and it says, "And with that, he breathed on them." Jesus breathes on his disciples, and he says this: "Receive the Holy Spirit." He says, "If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven." Is that trust, or is that trust right there? We are kingdom builders, co-laborers with Christ. Job security locked in through sonship and daughtership. But we got an amazing job and we've been given some serious power and some serious stuff to deal with him. He breathed on us. And in Genesis and John, we see that after he breathes, he commissions. He commissions. I love that word commission. You got the word mission in there. You got the word co. You're doing mission together. He says, I'm sending you out. In Genesis, he goes, go take dominion over the earth, multiply, grow in the earth, In John, in the Gospels, he says, go out and make disciples of all nations. He breathes on us. He sends us out. Another thing I love about these stories that always means so much to me is understanding the word breath that um, is chosen in these scriptures here. I'm not the biggest language person or anything. I've been learning Texan for the last 10 months, and I'm a big fan. (laughs) uh, I'm going to be taking it home. I've I've decided I'm not saying y'all here because you'll laugh at me. But I'm going to say it back home. Like I'm going to do it every now and again because this is part of me now. You know, I spent time here. DNA. And part of the language I don't want to look at here is a Hebrew word and it's the Hebrew word used uh, for breath, the one that was used here in Genesis 2. The word is ruach. Now, ruach is a word that has multiple meanings to it. It means three amazing related things. It means breath, it means spirit, and it means wind. And the same words can for the most part, be used interchangeably within the scriptures. So when God breathes his ruach into mankind, he's given us his spirit. He's given us his breath. And I mean, I meet some people with wind, but you know, he's given us wind as well. Wind of the spirit we're talking about here. When we come to John and we look at the same thing, we see that the language has now changed. The New Testament was written in Greek, not in Hebrew. But we see the word pneuma used. Now, pneuma is just the Greek word for ruach. It means the same three things. And if we thread this concept out, we see that all throughout the Scriptures, there are many, many times where Jesus and the New Testament authors, they talk about, have you ever heard this? Following the wind of the Spirit. Jesus talks to Nicodemus, uh, established teacher of the law. And he says to him, you must be born again. You cannot be born of flesh. You must be born of the Spirit. He says the wind, you know, who knows where the wind comes from and where it goes? It goes where it pleases. We are the people who follow the wind. We are the people who follow the Spirit. We are the people who breathe the breath of God. With this breath inside of us and with our baggage dealt with on the cross, who could stop us? Who can stop this kingdom of God from being built? I believe this process of breathing in the breath of God, it sounds mysterious, but I want to flesh it out into what practically does that look like? I mean, how do you breathe the breath of God? What? I mean, come on, talk English here. What, what are we talking about? To me, breathing the breath of God is doing the works of the Spirit. Pastor Jeff laid out an amazing series for us last fall about prune and bloom, and we looked at the fruits of the Spirit, the evidences of the Spirit at work in us, and we looked at the evidences of the flesh as well. When we partake in those works of the Spirit, fellowshipping with the saints. Okay, that was two religious words, sorry. Being friends with Christians and talking about God, talking about the kingdom, talking about the good things. We grow our spirit. We're breathing in another breath. When we sit down and we read our scriptures. When we take these words seriously and we apply them to our lives, we're taking another big, fresh breath of air from the Lord. When we sing songs to the Lord, whether they're worshipful, celebration, triumphant ones, or heart cries of, I need you, I desperately need you. Read the Psalms, the heartache in there. That is breathing a breath of the Lord's air. When we do these works of the Spirit, praying, scriptures, building each other up, worshiping, doing good things, just listening to the Lord and acting in this upside down kingdom way. We're breathing those breaths. I don't wanna make it sound so mysterious and so religious and crazy like that, but it's just about choosing the spirit over the flesh and building up what God's put in us, not our flesh. It's a hard journey to do. And we're 2000 years into this amazing social experiment of Christianity that started with 12 and has made its way all the way to the panhandle made it to my hometown in London and made it to the ends of the earth. We're still doing this thing. We're still fighting off the flesh, but we're building the kingdom of God and we're seeing amazing things come through. I've got one last thing that I wanna bring into this message as a, a bit of a visual demonstration as to how I've played this out in my mind to, to encourage myself in wanting to do the right thing. And um, it use, it, I'm gonna use a couple of props and uh, so let me go grab them. I, I, I tend to think I'm not a prop person here. i put them back here. But the two times i preached here, I've used props. So no one's going to believe me on this. It's, I just wanted to prove to you that I was a trustworthy person to do youth work this year. Because I use props. Because that's what happens in youth ministry, right? Props. Normal church, no props. Prop. Sorry. I'm bringing a prop. I'm a, I'm a very visual person. So I love to think of things this way. I look at this here. We've got ourselves a volleyball. We've got ourselves a, um, a super soft, soft spike volleyball. Excellent. Made by somebody, made with love and care, by an amazing company, whatever. And they made this thing to be a volleyball. And we can see from this volleyball that it's, it's not really pumped up right now. It's, it's still in the shape of a ball. You could still play volleyball with it. It's still taking care of 80% of the function that it was built for. But it's, it's not really cutting it right now. And the illustration I want to use in here is that this is like a person breathing in the breath of our dear planet Earth. This is like someone functioning out of the flesh, functioning out of the works of our own strength, our own achievements, our own things. It's breath, we're breathing, we're making it through the day, we're, you know, we're getting through the weeks and the months, but there are challenges around us and sometimes we don't feel good. We feel like other things can impact us, shape us, and we just don't feel in a great place. And then all of a sudden, we read a story like Matthew 20 where we see God saying that the first shall be last and the last will be first, and we think, how am I gonna do this? I can't function in that way. When God asks a person like this or someone feels an unction in, in their you know, in who they are to, to do a work, to do something upside down, it usually ends up like this. You go down and then you kind of just stay there. It's like, well, God, I tried. I tried, to, I tried to be nice. I tried to forgive someone. I tried to, you know, do what's quote unquote good in the world. I'm breathing the world's air. I'm trying to do the world's ways. And, you know... Going down, upside down, it's not really working for me. Like, I don't like forgiving people. I prefer holding on. I don't like being generous. I prefer keeping it to myself. I don't want to do the good stuff. I want to go up. But what goes up, science comes down. That's as much science as you'll ever get from me. (laughs) Thankfully. But I believe there's another way. When we are people who breathe the breath of God, not a sports person either. (laughs) When we are people who breathe the breath of God, the rule, of the Lord, the pneuma of God, the spirit, the wind, the breath, then I believe we become like people who on the surface look very similar to character A over here. We're made by this, you know, we're all made in the image of God, whether we're living right or wrong. We're all here for a purpose, whether we're doing it or not. But to me, this is what the people who are living by the spirit look like. They've got the right stuff going on, And when God invites them to take a plunge into the upside-down kingdom, to pay for somebody's meal, to pour out the perfume, to reach out to that family member who does not deserve our attention because of what they've done, when we do that, when the Spirit tells us to, we become like people like this who go down, and we go straight back up again. Because in the upside-down kingdom, if we're breathing God's breath, we don't have to fear about doing something the world would never do. Because in God's kingdom, what goes down goes up. And the first will be last and the last will be first. Now, the world, if you know, if this was a science class right now, people would be throwing tomatoes at me because I am not teaching science right here. This is this is not logic. This is not this is not worldly stuff we're looking at here. The world says don't be humble, like make a name for yourself. Don't be kind, like protect yourself. You've got to protect yourself. God functions differently. He pays the one who worked for an hour the same as the one who worked all day. There are so many things we can draw from this story, which obviously there's, we'll spend the rest of our lives reading stories like this, figuring it out. But to me, the one thing I would just wanna bring today is that if we can be kingdom people, we don't have to be afraid of going down because God's always gonna shoot us back up because in his kingdom, he looks out for his kids. And your place is firm and secure in his kingdom, not because of how well you perform, but because of who you are. Worship team, if you want to come and join me on the stage, I want to just transition this from looking at these scriptures and these ideas or whatever into kind of a challenge and an opportunity for people to come before the Lord and ask Him the question, God, am am I values where your values are? Is my heart where your heart is? Or am I seeing the things in my life differently to how you're seeing it's a hard and it's a humbling process to go through because it's difficult when, you, when we read the words of Jesus and it challenges us, it, it, it's hard to do. But I can assure you and I promise you, those who give their hearts to the Lord in all ways, it's an amazing transition to come out of this and into this. And I'm praying for breakthrough in my own heart for looking at stories like this and to challenge my own work ethic. I struggle with this. I respect people who work hard and do this and I, I find it hard when it's different. I want to see the way God sees this. I don't want to carry Josh principles into eternity. My kingdom's no good. His is. So can we stand together? I just want to pray for us. And uh, if the ministry team, if there's anyone who wants to minister from the front as well, the the usual, usual characters, if you want to come down, I would love to encourage everyone. If you want to pray with somebody, come and grab someone here at the front. If you want to pray with a member of your family right now, if you just want to stand before the Lord in this moment and say, God, shape my heart, build your kingdom in me. Let me breathe you in. Then I want to say that there's nothing special about this Sunday morning. There's nothing special about this room, but there's everything special about the spirit that's inside of you. Everything special about who listens to the sound of your voice in this moment. And if right now is not your moment, then later on in the kitchen, that could be. I just want to see people grow and I want to see people come into these kingdom ways of living. And I believe that if we can give ourselves to him in this moment, he's going to give himself to us. Father, we thank you so much that your kingdom does not look like yours. Lord, thank you that Josh's kingdom is not the one that's going to live forever. Thank you that you look out for the broken, that you give rest to the weary and you watch out for those who have no friends and who have no one to cover them. Lord, we don't want to fight you. We don't want to resist you and we don't want to hold back from you. Lord, would you take whatever we have to give to you today, whether it's great or small, whether it's worthy or whether it's shameful, would you take what we have, Lord, and would you turn it into something special? Would you turn it into kingdom material that will change not just our lives, but those around us? Would you do a work in the church in Bushland that this whole area is astounded to see? Would you do something so special in this church that people see that this is the way? This isn't just people doing what people do, this is the way. This is people living a certain way, the ways of Jesus, the upside-down kingdom ways of God. Lord, encourage people today and strengthen people to come forward to you. And would you come and move in our hearts. In your mighty name we pray, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from The Church of Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using The Church of Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.